Jay St. Louis. We're going to talk theater a lot with Tony Parisi for the first 48 minutes of the show. Then we're going to talk. We're going to go rapid fire through these movies. We're going to talk about why we didn't see F9. We're going to talk about false positive around minute 52. Around minute 54, Truman and Tennessee. Around minute 56, fatherhood. Around one hour, we're going to talk about LFG. And then we'll wrap it up with more theater talk. We are here with a special guest, of course. But Carl, I am thrilled to have Tony Parisi today as our guest because he is a local legend in performing arts and he has had quite a wonderful career on Broadway and beyond, let's put it like that. And uh, so we're going to talk to him today about the Performing Arts Foundation at the Fox, what they're doing this summer and his work that he's been doing for for that group. And I love that group. I love working with them. I have, uh, in the early days of the team talent competition, I helped arrange some of the early rounds. And so I've always enjoyed working with people. And Pat Vogelsang, who you probably know, Tony. Oh, very, very well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. So how are you today, Tony? I'm doing great. I mean, this weather could maybe improve a little bit, but <laughs> <laughs> but we'll wait five minutes, you know, and we'll see. It's St. Louis weather. Don't give it a, give it a couple minutes. It'll change. Right. I know. I well, know. I have to cover art festival tomorrow and, and we're all praying to the weather gods because they're going to have a chalk contest. Oh, wow. Which if it's raining, there <laughs> you go. Moves. We've all seen Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tony and yeah. I have a, a connection that he doesn't know about, but Tony has, you know, he's had a, an illustrious career, but he has choreographed something that I've been a part of. I don't think at the same times, but he has choreographed the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And for three years, I was a balloon handler in the Macy's Thanksgiving parade. We were the bane of his existence because he had to have things finished. I mean, even though here's a little secret that no one knows they make, once the performances are going on, everything else stops. And so everything stops and we have to stand there holding this giant balloon as people are singing and dancing all lip synced, by the way. And then but he didn't care because he's doing the dancing part. But then they have us go down and there are corners that we have to run to make up time because it's all timed for television. Tony, I have told you my experience about that. What was your experience doing Macy's? Well, uh, I, I saw the parade through two different viewpoints. Um, yes. Which is fantastic. I mean, I did the opening number uh, for three years in a row. And that's, you know, the, the cast of thousands, actually not thousands. I think the, the largest group of kids I had was 600. I think the smallest group was 400. <laughs> so I choreographed the, the giant opening number. And, you know, it was kind of wonderful to do that, but we missed the parade route. <laughs> you know, we didn't walk the parade. We no. showed up at seven in the morning in front of Macy's and did our camera rehearsal and then shot it live, you know, uh, and we would reveal Matt Lauer and, and uh, Hoda or, you know, who Katie Couric. Oh, actually, Katie Couric one day uh, pronounced my name wrong and had to apologize to me on NBC, which I thought oh. was fun. <laughs> and Al, Al Roker's up by the History Museum where we were. Right. Al Roker's up there. So I did walk the parade several times, too which was absolutely amazing. Exhausting. It's, it's exhausting, but it is so thrilling and amazing. Um, I actually got in trouble because I, I snuck my cell phone and because I was like, I can't believe I'm walking the Macy's parade and all these people are cheering and everything. And one of those little scooters came by and said, put that cell phone away. Not supposed to have them on there. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah. So, uh, well, Carl, I loved it. But Carl was on the Thomas the Tank Engine balloon. I was at Thomas the Tank Engine balloon. I was at the Red Power Ranger balloon. And I also did one of the uh, classic, the Fireman, which is one of oh, the yeah. one from the beginning. Now, it, it's funny that you say that, that I we have to get there at five o'clock in the morning to get the balloons all 
stuff. And you do the balloon glow the night before because they're right. already all, all blown up. But the funny thing is they were filming on the town. What The Broadway stars from on the town were doing the opening and they filmed it starting at six o'clock and they filmed it 10 times just because just going over the dance number. And, and it was, that was up by where we were because uh, when they did on the town, of course, they're going through the town and doing right. that. And so that was the beginning of it. And we saw it. And then when we, of course, when we watched the tape later, it looks like, you know, they did it once and it was perfect. No, they did it 20 times to make it perfect because they had to all hit their marks and they all had to do. It was funny. They had speakers there so they could lip sync along with the track that was going to be. It's people don't understand how many people and how intensive that Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is. Oh, yeah. Well, I would painstakingly uh, do these sheets with uh, colored dots, you know, of all my patterns and things. Uh, and that I would take over uh, to Rockefeller Center like a week before to talk to the camera director to explain the camera shots, you know, because, you know, I'm choreographing, like when you choreograph for the stage, you choreograph for the audience and you, you do your focus in a very different technique. When you're photographing for a camera, the camera guy has to know what's going on, you know. <laughs> or else they'll miss, they'll miss the shot. Yeah, you know, and, and I always told the kids, I said, you just never know. So don't be the kid who's picking his nose, you know, because <laughs> you never know what camera is going to hit you at what point in time. It was, uh, it was some of the happiest times in my life. I, first of all, I love Thanksgiving. I love the holiday because it's, you know, it's just about being grateful. It, it has no other huge religious connotations or anything. It's, it's, it's just a celebration and, and a Thanksgiving. That's what it's it is. Amer it's an American thing. Yeah. Other people, Canada does it uh, later because their harvest is earlier. But the rest of the world's like, what are you guys doing? Eating and watching football. And, <laughs> but it's, and I didn't mean to make this all about me. I just love the fact that you and I have a shared experience, even though we weren't there at the same time. It's unless you have done it, you don't know. Oh, yeah, that is so true. It is so true. And I don't know that there's ever been anything done um, to capture the experience from the inside, you know. Miracle uh, on 34th Street tries to at the first 15 minutes of that movie. They're very strict about what can be filmed and what can't be filmed. And, you know, along. And so is NBC. Out. Yeah. Well, you have Macy's mm -hmm. who I worked for. And then ah. NBC, who Macy's worked for, you see. Mm -hmm. And so. here, here's what I'll tell you. Running around Columbus Circle is one of the most physically demanding things because you're right there at Central, Central Park and you have to, it's not an L, it's more of a rounded thing and you have to run to make it because the wind is coming up right there at Columbus Circle and you're carrying this giant balloon and you... It's interesting that all of the streetlights in New York are on hinges. So just for that reason, so that they can move them out of the way, because I'm sure they were tired of replacing them all. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And when and when you are on the parade route, like behind a balloon, you know, I had to hold my kids, you know, we were like keeping our distance, but keeping up, you know, just in case. And here's here's a little secret that most people don't know. There is an ATV, a four by four that is anchoring that balloon. Yes, you have 50 to 75 people pulling the balloon, but just to make sure it doesn't get away, which they do sometimes when the winds are insane, there is an ATV in the middle that you can never see that is that balloon's tethered to that ATV and yeah. somebody has to drive it. Well, what I love is that you all were, are dressed alike Ugh. and it's, you know, all, and it's like very uniform mm -hmm. look. I love that. It, it's great. And then you have to, you meet at the, I want to say the Roseland It's right next to it's, it's in the hotel where Hillary Clinton gave her concession speech right by Madison square garden. Al Jazeera TV network is there too. Um, so it is, it's in a hotel and that's where you get your costume and you get everything all yeah. done. And then afterwards, Pennsylvania hotel, they, they give you donuts and you get to watch the rest of the thing. And my wife wouldn't leave until we saw Santa Claus. And so, 
Well, now I've had I've held kids inside of Macy's after the opening number for the balloon release for Santa. Mm -hmm. So we would do it was so all interesting and strange. We did the opening number, which of course is cut from the parade. I mean, we're we're separate. You're, you're finished. And then we took the kids inside of Macy's and up on the eighth floor where we just sat around in mm-hmm. the dark Macy's empty Macy's building until we got the signal to come back downstairs for the balloon release at the end of the parade. <laughs> and and here's another St. Louis connection. There's a Shake Shack right around the corner. And that is the best Shake Shack. I've I've had Shake Shacks all around the country. That is the best Shake Shack that I've ever had. Maybe it was because I was exhausted, but that Shake Shack right next to Macy's in New York uh, from a St. Louis owner went to, uh, did he go to Burroughs? Did did Danny go to Burroughs or did he go to MICDS? I think he went to Burroughs. Yeah. And so, yeah, so oh, yeah, another another one of the boroughs, uh, famous alums. Um, like I think Carl. I think the Madison Park one, the original, is <laughs> unbeatable. The original. But I will say, I got to try that one in Times Square. Now, Tony has been in the actual Broadway theaters in the theater district, and he was one of the original cast members of Forty Second Street. Which had to be so thrilling. So you worked with Gower Champion. Yes, and David Merrick. And uh, it was historic, you know, because our opening night was the announcement of Gower Champion's death. And none of us knew that. And it propelled 42nd Street into the history books. So that's, I mean, we could do a whole... (laughs) Hour and a half, you know. We talked 10 minutes about Macy's, but you could do... (laughs) like three shows on your Broadway. I mean, that's just one show. You right. were, you were, you were, right. you've, um, what is, yeah, you dance captain for me and my girls. So did you work with Tommy Tunes? That was my, that one Tommy- and o- my one and only is Tommy Tunes. That's the Gershwin okay. show. I was confused. Me, me and my girl is a British show that was done in England first and they brought it over to the United States. It was a sweet, sweet, wonderful, wonderful show that's kind of forgotten about. Um, it was three and a half years, maybe the happiest years of my life. I loved that show. I loved being the dance captain. I put all kinds of people in. Um, I taught Tim Curry of, <laughs> you know, um, Rocky Horror. Rocky, Ho- Rocky Horror. I taught him how to tap dance for the national tour. Wow. I put Jim Dale into that show. <gasps> Jim Dale. Jim Dale, who has done the most voices of anyone in an audio book. Yep. Uh, it was just... And uh, Barnum. It's in the Tony Barnum, for Barnum. He yeah, Barnum. he did. He, yeah. he wanted Tony. With Glenn Close. I didn't wow. have anything to do with Glenn Close. But <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to blank on her name, but she's a St. Louis girl. We just found this out. Um, she sang with Meatloaf, Ellen. Ellen. Oh, Ellen Foley. Ellen Foley, thank you so much. From Night Court. Ellen Foley, I was putting Ellen Foley into the show and she said, well, you know, I can't rehearse over the Christmas uh, week. And I said, oh, where are you going? She said, well, I'm going back home. I said, where's home? She said, St. Louis. I said, I'm from St. Louis. I said, what part What high Louis? school did you go to? <laughs> we didn't go there. but. She grew up on Quincy Street. Whoa. Down by Loughborough and Ron, have, uh, Bountiful Heights because I go to the, uh, yeah, yeah, Quincy Street Bistro's right across from the Right, picture. right. And so we, you know, we bonded and uh, I put her into me and my girl. So it was, it was a great show for three and a half years. What does a dance captain actually do? I know it's a great title, but what and does it change for every show or is a dance captain just like for every show the dance captain does this pretty much uh the dance captain keeps the dances uh clean so every couple of weeks or every once a month or whatever i'd have a huge brush up rehearsal with the dances you know and you reinvest and you say all right now you're a little slipping on those arms you know let's get those arms sharp or 
let me remind you what this tap step is. <laughs> it's really this. And I think you've slipped into doing that. Uh, it's also when new hires come in, we teach the new hire the show from the chorus point of view. Um, so the director doesn't have to worry about it because it's your job. Right. The director does the scene. So the director will, will, well, not the director, the stage manager, the production stage manager is like the dance captain of the acting scenes. Okay. The director and choreographer are long gone. They're just, they, <laughs> they, they created it. It's up to you guys to put it together. And keep it together and keep it looking fresh. Yeah. Cause you know, eight times a week for three and a half years, which some people were in it the whole entire time. Some people were in cats for 10 years, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Lynn, we've Lynn, lost well, one, one of the things that's so about you is you're taking all of your experience that you have had and you are helping out young St. Louisans who are so talented. And just from me watching the Teen Talent Showcase for the last couple of years, I'm just amazed because when I was in high school, we had none of this. Those, those kids stand there as finalists and they say who they study with and where they're from and what they're doing. And it's remarkable the amount of effort that now is in teaching young children performing arts because before it was just you played sports or you took dance lessons and you were pretty much out of luck yes i think that's right i mean and also now with the colleges you know getting in there uh when i was growing up and when i said i i want to make it on broadway i mean you really just went to New York. And you had to go to New York. I mean, there was no going to college. You know, if you went if, as a dancer, if you went to college, that was like wasting four years of your career. Now, unless you went to unless you went to an art school or California. Right. right. But now you it's almost it's almost a requirement. I mean, it's not a requirement, but everybody has a, a musical theater degree now. <laughs> you know, nobody did then. It was, we all just turned it's up. Hard to, it's so hard to get in these colleges, like Cincinnati uh, Conservatory, one of the best, they'll have like five openings for hundreds of, of, of uh, applicants. And so what Tony is gonna do this July, he is going to uh, be part of this audit, audition intensive that the Fox Performing Arts Foundation is doing. And it's gonna be July 26th to 30th and it's for kids that are 14 to 19 and uh what we want why we wanted to have him on now is because now is the sign-up period but there are scholarships available if you financially cannot afford uh to do this and so that app, that application is due by july 1st so you got to get on it and you can go to the website but tony uh, has been working with kids for years and years and years. And weren't you, didn't you start out at the Muni when you were 10? I was 10 years old in the Muni, yes. In, in a production of Oliver starring Sid Caesar. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> was he Fagan? He was Fagan. Of course he was. He was Fagan. And uh, yeah, so uh, most people are going to have to now Google who that was because <laughs> nobody knows anymore. But he was pretty famous, uh, and I got quite an education at the Muni growing up. I did, when I was 10, 11, and 12, you know, in the children's chorus. There was no Muni kids then or Muni right. teens. It was the children's chorus, and we were very elevated, and we got paid, and we were professional. So, and it was only 20 of us. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but so, you were all not street so urchins. Yeah, not those casts of thousands that Paul Blake used to put in. For no, the, no, no, no. Like, uh, th those were fun, too. And, and that brought a lot of families to the Muni. And, and so that had yeah. its place. But um, what, what happened with us when we were young, it really made us realize that we were professionals and we had to act as professionals. We had to you know, be very respectful and on time. And it, it gave us all these life lessons. It wasn't playing around. It was very serious. Work. 
yes, it, it made us realize that it was a job. And, and so uh, coming back around, you know, with all my experience, uh, one of the things I hope to get back to next year is our um, high school musical theater awards that I did at the Fox for a couple of years uh, until we got shut down, of course, with COVID. I loved that because, you know, it, it, I've always been in the ensemble. And so it's about the ensemble for me. And I got to deal with all of these kids from all over the city of St. Louis and do a big, huge opening number with them all. Um, I loved that program. So I'm hoping that we get it back on track. Um, and teen talent, as you say, but that's a very, very different thing. What, what we're doing in July, I realized that auditioning is its own skill. So you've heard of triple threats, you know, somebody who can sing, dance, and act. That's a triple threat. But actually, somebody who can sing, dance, and act, and audition is a quadruple threat. Just because you're the best singer that comes to the audition does not mean you get the job just because you're the best dancer does not mean you get the job. It's its own skill. So it's we, the X factor. It's the X factor. It's, it's making kids realize that, you know, they kind of have to, I don't want to say manipulate in a bad way, but it's like you have to manipulate and you have to stand you know, out stand out and you have to make a good impression upon walking into the room. Some auditions are won and lost by how you walk into the room. So we deconstruct the whole process and we do a whole segment on literally walking into the room, silent, just how you appear. You have to bring the light with you. You bring the light into the room. And, <laughs> you know? and how you leave too, because you say, I, I, I watched the video, which I was very intrigued by. Don't leave until they say thank you because they might want more. Right, exactly, exactly. And if, if you judge yourself or if you judge the accompanist or if you judge the experience or if you're, you roll your eyes or you're exasperated or whatever, and you walk out kind of like with an attitude, you've, you've killed yourself. You've just, you've ruined it for yourself, you know? So the audition starts almost at the second you peek that door open and it, it doesn't end until that door shuts behind you. You can, you can self-sabotage is you think you're, you're finished, but you're not finished until they can't see you anymore. And right. sometimes it's even after that, they might have somebody planted in the hallway. Well, the and monitors, you know, well, especially when I work with kids, I have a code for the monitors to just write on the, on the little piece of paper out in the hallway. Mostly when I'm working with kids, it's about the parents. <laughs> you don't need a stage mom. So, you know, I say, listen, if any of these parents start giving you trouble, I need you to write this little code on the side here. And then that- Gypsy I, Rose Lee. And, you know, that's full disclosure on my end. I mean, we all do it and we all talk to each other. And, you know, I've had occasion where I say, you know, uh, talking to, well, I'll say Carl for now, but like, okay. I, I can call you up and say, Carl, I see that this kid uh, has worked with you. You know, I'm, I'm on the fence about him. What do you, what do you think? You know, and then Carl, you'll give me your opinion of that kid. So we talk to each other mm -hmm. and the kids need to His understand. mom's crazy. Stay away. Right. Or oh, no, no, I, I've worked with him. He auditions terribly, but once you get him in a rehearsal room, he's fantastic, you know? So this whole week, it's only five days, is all about cluing the kids into there's much more than being a good singer or dancer or actor. You have to be sensitive and understand the human nature of how you get cast. Could probably tell the kids that don't want to do this and that they're there just because their parents are forcing them to do it and I mean I know that's rare because most kids really want to do this but um, the arts are so collaborative if you're not a collaborative person you know you can't all be 
you can't all be divas at the same time, but they have eight bars usually to create a character, right? Right? Because sometimes that's it. it comes down to eight bars. Sometimes it really does. And you have to you have to wow them with your eight bars. You know, most times it's 16 bars. A lot of times you'll get to sing the full song, but even when you're singing the full song, you have to keep the ball in the air for the entire song. You know, you can't lose them. You have to keep them engaged and, you know. And don't so, try to sing something that's not for you. <laughs> age appropriate. Uh, don't do Beyonce or Mariah Carey. Right. Well, that's one of the things we're, we're going to talk about, too. This is a musical theater audition intensive. So things that are appropriate, you know, um, it's an intermediate level. So we, we're hoping to get some kids with some questions who don't know the answers to some things. And, and that's, that's the sweet spot of this particular week that we're, we're looking for. Um, this is not for total beginners who have never sung before in their lives, but simply like musical theater. It's really not for that. We want kids who at least understand what a ballad and an up-tempo is and have a couple of songs that they want to work on for the five days. I wish I, I would have had this. I used to judge the, uh, they called it the Belleville, the Junior Idol contest in Belleville, the Chili Cook-Off. And so we would see uh, dozens of kids, junior high and then high school. And so many times they would pick songs that were not in their range. Right. And I think that's such a huge thing is know what you can sing and, and what's just out of, your, out of your range. Because then right away, it's like, well, thank you. Thank you. Move, yes. you well, know, the, the other thing in that in that uh, thought is all these kids who love all this riffing and going off onto all these notes and all of this stuff uh, that with all these frills, they don't know the tune <laughs> of the song they're singing. I, you know, I've stopped some kids. Uh, you know, I said, okay, all of that is just fine, but do you know what the actual notes are of the song? And most of them have no clue what the actual notes of the song are. And so no, I, that's not true. They know one. They know the glory note. They know the glory <laughs> note, and that's the only one they know. Yes. So I strip it back and I say, all right, we're going to learn the song because you have to earn the right to riff. You know, you can't just riff without knowing what the composer wrote. I mean, people who sing the uh, national anthem, not one note that Francis Scott Key ever wrote on a piece of paper do they sing. They <laughs> sing every note, but the note that is written for the tune. And people start too high. When they sing the anthem, they start too high. They don't realize that it gets higher and higher. It steps up. <laughs> you need to start low. So, well, with all know, these... Go ahead. With all the singing competition shows, there's it's a reality TV aspect too, but they go on and you probably sit there and cringe half the time at some of these auditions, don't you? Yes, yeah. Well, you know, to call those auditions, I mean, it's, it's in a separate category, I think. You know, that's reality TV and they're, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to get musical theater kids who want a career in musical theater to attain the skill of the audition. So that's, that's my focus. It's, it's narrow, it's specific. Um, and you know, and if, if they don't go into musical theater, we all have to do job interviews. It's the same <laughs> yes. principle. You know, you can be the best certified public accountant but if you don't have the skill to get the job to be the certified public accountant, you're never going to crunch numbers for anybody. Right. Well, you have experience at this Camp Broadway. Uh, tell me about this Camp Broadway that you were doing in New York. What was that? What was that like? Uh, camp Broadway was a musical theater uh, 
program. It was a national company based in New York City. Um, unfortunately, the focus became not so much on teaching kids, but on more the making of the money. And when making of the money leads what you're doing, I think you're doomed. Uh, you know, this happens in all aspects of our lives. You know, when, when the medical field focuses on making money instead of healing people, we're doomed. When education <laughs> focuses on the money instead of educating kids, we're doomed. So I now do a, a, a program, which is not a camp at all. It's a musical theater program called Next Stop Broadway. I just did it in Jacksonville, Florida for the first time. I'm going to Durham, North Carolina um, at the end of July. And in the middle of August, we're going to Providence, Rhode Island. And it's for 100 kids, 10 to 17. It's, uh, this one is about theater loving kids. You, have, you don't have to have any experience whatsoever. And we give kids a musical theater intensive experience where we just immerse them in um, the Broadway classics, the golden age of Broadway, which I think is also important for kids' education. You know, um, Lin-Manuel Miranda says in many interviews that Hamilton would not be Hamilton without the, the golden age musicals. And he cites all through Hamilton, he says, this is my Billy Bigelow soliloquy. And this is the, you know, whatever it is from another Rogers and Hammerstein show. Or, this is my Brigadoon. Yeah, he's, he's goes, and uh, the kids know Hamilton, but they don't know the original source material or the, you know, the history of it all. And, and I think it's fascinating to connect all the dots and to see Sondheim, you know, Oscar Hammerstein was Sondheim's mentor. Um, so to connect up all those dots for the kids, uh, they, they have a richer experience. And, and then we have more informed theater goers if none of them go into the field. Right. Well, Lin-Manuel Miranda references South Pacific in one of his Ham Hamilton songs. So, right. yeah, exactly. no, you know those, you got to know those classics. So uh, you've had such, so you, you direct, but you also choreograph. And then um, you have spent many, many years teaching other people. So what is it about the energy of kids that you love so much of uh, seeing, uh, uh, helping mold, shape young talent? What do you love about that? I love being blinded by when all the light bulbs go off. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know, um, teaching kids a process and that's, that's what Next Stop Broadway is. And that's what this intensive is going to be. It's a process. You know, I hope they're not good on the first day, kind of. You know what I'm saying? You it's need like, some growth. Because pushing buttons and getting instant answers is what they're used to. So when, when I see a kid get it, or when I see a kid realize how much just putting some work into something can yield, for them or when I see a kid struggle and then fly with ease that's what I love the most you know with teen talent when I see the rawness that of the competition throughout the competition but I see the potential when I'm able to bring out that potential in these kids and they get it and they transform for the final event, I mean, it is, it's, it's really thrilling to me. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I get out of it. That's great. I wish I had, I wish I had these things when I was a kid because I couldn't sing. And I asked my parents for, <laughs> I asked my parents for singing lessons and they're like, no, you can't sing. And I said, yes, but this could have taught me how to do it. And then if you, if you would ask before we started, we were talking about my high school uh, theater director, Tom Murray, who's still at CBC, uh, oh, many, yeah, many, 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 uh, yeah. he, if you 
Tony were to call him up and say, uh, tell me about Carl, he would say he has a he has trouble learning his lines. But once he gets there, it's it's much better. <laughs> and a lot of people a lot of people can't learn their lines and there's they have to be taught the best way to do it because they people can remember songs. It's just the the things between the songs. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Well, and another thing, and speaking of Tom uh, and myself, I think if you're, it doesn't matter if you're a good actor, it doesn't mean you can teach acting. If yeah. you're a good singer, it does not necessarily mean you can teach somebody how to sing. If you're a great dancer, teaching like auditioning is its own separate skill. And many people don't realize that. They think, well, I've got a great voice, so I'll just start teaching people. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, no, I well, there's so much there's so much pressure to to people, you know, to, to to these kids get famous and everybody knows their name and and there's so much pressure. So do you deal with um, do you deal with some of that when you're when you're teaching kids just uh just about the temperament and just I mean because you've had to survive in a really tough business so you obviously have lessons to impart yes I I think the world has rapidly changed <laughs> so it's it's not the same as when I got there although I'm sure that there are a few lessons that I could pass pass along um, you know I think one of the great things about the college conservatory system and, and that everybody's getting a musical theater degree, one of the great things is you have all the money in the world and you get all these wonderful parts and you get coddled and you get all these fabulous sets. And I mean, I've seen some of these college productions. They're like better than Broadway, you know? And and you you get to do things that maybe you wouldn't normally do and it, it, being cast in the real world. So all of those kinds of things are wonderful. Well, but guess what? There's going to be the cold, hard reality that you might be one of 10 in your school. When you get to New York, you're one of thousands. And so I don't think these musical theater programs help the kids understand the reality you know that it's in their own little bubble and they're nurtured and they're, they're a big fish in a small pond and it's wonderful I, i'm not putting any of that down uh but there is a there is a reality out there beyond that when you really want to do it when you throw them in the ocean <laughs> <laughs> now do you think some of these kids would you cast somebody uh via youtube if you saw somebody on YouTube and said, wow, that person would be perfect for something I'm doing, do you think that helps or hurts kids nowadays? Well, it's, it's more chances for exposure. You know, it's more chances for more people to see them. But I'm, I'm all about the live, you know, the live energy. Because you don't know if the YouTube is live or not. It could be heavily edited. Heavily edited, uh, you know, the 20th take, uh, you know, and there's an energy, mm -hmm. you know, there's an energy that can't be replicated. You know, you've seen, I was, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I watch the Jimmies every year and you're probably very familiar with the Jimmies, which are That's the National High School Theater Awards. And you see I mean, there's two kids usually from each state and they're supremely talented, but as they whittle them down, you see what separates the pack. And uh, the, the last time they had it was 2019. And I was just actually watching the two kids that won the other day. And this kid from Utah, you could tell that he was so nervous when he started his final. So he was one of the four finalists and he sang wandering from the bridges of Madison County, which Jason Robert Brown wrote and won the Tony for. And that kid has everybody in the palm of his hand. Right. And but not and, for the first before, five seconds. <laughs> yeah. And before, yeah, before that happened, you could have picked like, oh, it would be any guy. 
But once he nailed that song and everybody felt it, because you have to feel it, you knew that he was going to win. Now, the girl, she was from Long Island, and she sang I'm Here from Color Purple. And you knew from the start that that girl was going to win because she was just so head and shoulders above everybody with so much energy and poise and grace. And it was incredible. So I encourage when you go, these kids are in high school. Right. I mean, it's incredible to watch the transformation of young talent, I think. Yes. Well, not only am I familiar with the Jimmy Awards, but because of Camp Broadway, I wrote the first schedule of the New York week for the Jimmy Awards. So that's when there was only 25 kids, uh, you know, cause it was just the, the very first year that the Jimmy Awards did it. And when I'm talking about the St. Louis High School Musical Theater Awards here in St. Louis at the Fox, those high school musical awards feed into the New York Jimmy Awards. So that's, the con- that's my full circle connection on that. Whoa. Yeah, because the the last one, 2019, Michael Hart won, and I know him because I've covered his career. And then uh, one of the girls, I can't remember what high school she was, but she won the dancing award. Anna Gasson. From she might have been. I I can't remember what high school. I think she was um, Narix, maybe. She could have been, yeah. But she was. She was. You could just tell when they weed them all out. They have them come out in the groups. And you can tell who's gonna be cut, you know. Right. But it's right. it's it's a hundred kids, and so yeah. So you know, well, I think what you do is really important. Well, you know, like and, Mama uh, Rose said in Gypsy, "Kid, you either got it or you ain't." <laughs> right. You know, and and that doesn't mean you can't get better, or that doesn't mean you you know you can't get to it. That doesn't but, mean you're not going to get the part either. Right. But sometimes it comes down to it and you either got it or you ain't ain't <laughs> oh so, that phrase a star is a star is born i see um i'm part of the st louis theater circle so i see uh musicals all the time and too much theater uh, yeah well we're starting back up now but uh one of the things is that you will see somebody you don't know you know a new person and they perform, and then you look at your companion and go, a star is born. Mm-hmm. Because they, and it's magical, and it's electric. And that's why live theater, there's nothing like it. No, there isn't. So you can go to foxpacf.org. That stands for Fox Performing Arts Charitable Foundation. Foxpacf.org. Say that again, Carl. P. ACF.org, Fox, PACF.org. Now, now, Lynn, you say it. Fox, PFC.org. No, that's wrong. It's Fox, PACF.org. Oh, that's right. I always screw that up. Fox, PAC. Performing Arts Charitable Foundation. Or if you know what, if Foundation. you go to the Fox, if you go to the Fox website, it's also there. But right. And you can now, sign there's up. A, there's a special vocal coach that's working with Tony. Tony, who is that? Steve Neal. He is a treasure. He's amazing, brilliant. He does film scoring. Um, he sings himself. He can play anything on the piano. He's a great guy. Um, and he will be sort of co-teaching with me from his point of view, the, mus- the music director slash accompanist point of view. Uh, and it's, it's gonna be an exciting and intense five days. And you're limiting how many people are in it, right? Yes, uh, 20 spots only. So you wanna be one of those 20. And, and yeah. guess what? Signing up, being the first in line. When I do big dance calls in New York, nine times out of 10, the first group of people who show up got it. (laughs) As the day goes by, you know, if the, the, the last group usually might have one in it, but it's, it's 
funny how that is. It's, Wait a minute. You know, all the other things I've seen on TV and movies and theater say that the person that shows up at the last second is always going to make it. <laughs> yes. That's you, not Peggy true. Sawyer. <laughs> no, it's well, a type A personality. It's you got to be a go getter, you know? So if you're in that group of 20 that we have in July, you're, you're going to be one of those kids that's going to make it. Um, in all my years as a journalist, one of the, the key factors, because I interview a lot of the touring performers that come in through the box, and I love talking to the, the what I call up-and-comers, and then I love talking to the people that are in another stage of their career. They've had a lot of success, but maybe as they've gotten older, they've had some hard knocks, and so they're so grateful to be on tour, but the single denominator that runs through everybody I've ever talked to for 40 years is hard work. They work so hard. And that's what separates everybody. Yes. It's that's usually it doesn't come easy to anyone except the prodigies. Yeah. And we're, you know, I want to prepare them. This is going to be a very safe, nurturing space <laughs> you know so it will be very kind to these kids but we're going to be truthful and we're going to you know we're not doing anybody any favors if we let them get away with stuff you know or we don't point out things that can they can improve so uh it takes a certain kind of kid or mentality to be ready to hear the truth. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of coaches just want them to come back the next <laughs> week. So they say how great they are. And we're in a society where everybody gets a cupcake, you know, <laughs> and I was just never brought up like that. It's like, you get a cupcake if you earn it. <laughs> you don't get one just for showing up. So, um, I'm excited about it. I, I can't wait for the, the week in July. Sign up now. Well, this will be, be great because we're so excited that you could spare time with, to be with us today because live theater is getting back. There's a whole new energy about returning to the theater and uh, we still have rules to follow, but it's got to be such a thrill to know that you're back in your groove. Yeah, well, when I just came from Next Stop Broadway, we did the entire week with 50 kids, fully masks from morning till night. And even the performance was full mask. And how's that for it. singing? It, it's not the ideal. It's not ideal. Were they miked? <laughs> they were mic'd. Okay. But, you know, reading lips is very important for yes. hearing. You know, it's if you can read their lips, you can hear better. Um, so that was a challenge, but um, we kept everybody safe. So, and they loved being in a group and being on their feet and singing and dancing. And they, they just sort of, the mask was just something that they had to do, but it was fine. And make sure you check him out, foxpacf.org. Tony, did you see any of these films that came out this week? I have not. I, I know you all are more focused on films and TV. No, but... we're, we're not because oh, you're I, not? guess how, well, guess how many of the fast and furious films I have seen. I have no idea. Zero. Oh, well that makes then we're equal. <laughs> <laughs> there are a ton of movies that are out this week and you and I did not see, as I just mentioned with Tony, you and I did not see F9 and I have a, thing with Max Foyza that we wouldn't see any of the fast movies until there are 10 of them. Now they say they're going to stop after 11 and that will be the last one. I think I might just skip it, skip and not see any of them. And that if Max wants to, he can start seeing them all with 10 and then see 11. But I really am on the fence about seeing any of them since I've heard that nine sucks so badly. Yes, I uh, I can't remember all of one through four that if, if I think I skipped one for sure. I mean, I've seen one, but they started out as street racers, but they had more integrity and a sense of family. 
And then it has evolved into this ridiculous international mission story where the stunts get crazier and the stakes are higher and it's all very ridiculous. I liked five, six, and seven, but only because the way they handled the departure of, of Paul Walker. So, However, yeah. eight was practically watchable, and nine, I hear, is Awful. laughable, like roll your eyes till your eyes pop out. And I don't know if I want to devote the time. People are just so entranced with this series and to me just a bunch of nothing well i'm, I'm I mean, not gonna I'm not, see it i'm not the biggest vin diesel fan but i did like when the rock came on but they have this feud about acting whatever and then they have just increased the stakes to and the stunts and you have uh cars flying out of a uh, parish being parachuted yeah, and no. it's just—I don't think I think there's so much better that you could be devoting your time and money to. So that's a long way of saying that we didn't see it, and we're not going to. All right, let's. Okay, there are a lot of movies that are also out this week. Let's hit them rapid fire, like thirty to forty-five seconds apiece. What is false positive? That is a very creepy horror movie from the collaborators of Broad City, of all things. Wow. It is Alana Glazer, and she is married to Justin Theroux, and he's a surgeon, and they live an affluent lifestyle in New York City, but they can't have babies. So he recommends going to Pierce Brosnan, who is a famous fertility specialist. He was a professor of his in med school, and he's got a long waiting list. It's very expensive, but because of their connection, they get in. And it's a miracle doctor. So all of a sudden she's pregnant with twin boys. And then there is a separate girl. Now the separate girl. So it's not triplets. It's a separate place. Egg. But Pierce, Pierce Brosnan is saying, hey, this girl, she might not. Let's, let's just do selective uh, reduction. And she, uh, Alana's character, Lucy, really wants the girl. She wants her name Wendy because her mom used to read her Peter Pan. Her mom died. Well, as all pregnant women are hormonal and she starts having weird dreams, but then she starts being a little paranoid that maybe this doctor is sinister and not what she thought. And maybe my husband's complicit on this. Ooh. So it starts you down this road where you're suspicious of everything the guys are doing. And her boss is actually Josh Hamilton and she works at a boutique ad agency. And when she starts, when she starts getting bigger and bigger, they're like, are you sure you can do this work? So yeah. it's very much a female forward story. However, the ending is ridiculous. Okay. So it all falls apart. And therefore, you're left with a very unsatisfying end to this movie that you, that had me, and then it lost me. But I will say, Pierce Brosnan is perfect as this doctor who has a god complex and uh, is very arrogant and smarmy. So it's a good cast, and John Lee from Broad City directed it. So it has its merits. It's just the ending is is just so unsatisfying. All right. So mixed review on false positive. Let's move on now to Truman in Tennessee, an intimate conversation. It's playing in theaters, Plaza Frontenac. Yes, well, it's very poetic, I will say. What's nice is that their words are used, and they were so eloquent and witty and such troubled personal lives that their words are, are great but also haunting. And you see inside their art because they talk like they rocked. So two of the greatest literary figures of the 20th century, and they were friends for 40 years, but they were also rivals. So it shows uh, their different appearances on David Frost, who is such a great interviewer, and also on Dick Cavett, who's so um, erudite, and mm -hmm. it's just really good. But there's sadness with all their success. Now, the key here is their voices 
are done by Jim Parsons from Big Bang Theory. He yep. is Truman Capote. And Zachary Quinto as from Star from Trek Earth. and Heroes. Yes. He voices Tennessee Williams. And they're perfect because these are two gay Southerners who made it famous and, and their success came around the same time, late 40s. And uh, Tennessee Williams, obviously, uh, we all know because he grew up in St. Louis and so we followed his career and he won two, two Pulitzer Prizes, um, Street Crying Desire and Glass Menagerie were so uh, such a claim on Broadway. And then Truman wrote his other voices, other rooms, and then he wrote Breakfast Enemies, and then the granddaddy of nonfiction, True Crime in Cold Blood. So right. it shows clips from their, this is only, it's not even 90 minutes, exactly, and it's on a Plaza Frontenac, but it's also available on kinomarquee.com. So you can watch it in the comfort of your home. And it is very revealing, and I enjoyed it. It's um, tinged with sadness because they both died of addiction 18 months apart. Okay. Well, let's move on now to something that Netflix keeps begging me to watch. It is Fatherhood starring Kevin Hart. Well, this movie surprised me, Carl. Really? Because I was, I, I, yeah, I was going to skip it. and Like I, I did. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and and once Dan, our friend Dan Buffa said it was enjoyable, I thought, well, maybe I should give it a shot. So uh, I read up on it. It's the true story of Matt Lodgelin. He is a guy from Minnesota. He and his wife were high school sweethearts. Uh, she is pregnant and it's a difficult pregnancy and uh, she has to go in for an emergency C-section and the, ba uh, the baby girl is born, Maddie. And uh, they think all is well, but the next day, his wife Liz dies of, of an embolism, a pulmonary embolism. Wow! And shocked, and so he is thrust into single dadhood, raising this little girl. And Alfrey Woodard is is his mother-in-law, and she's very controlling and wants to run everything. And Kevin Hart in a very surprising role. I mean, you're going to get his stick. You're going to get his humor and his personality because that's just the way he is on screen. And that's what you're going to get. However, there is an emotional depth to his performance that I connect with. It's very heartfelt. It's the everyday situations of raising kids. There's no great conflict, but it's just everyday life and the struggles. And he works. Uh, with uh, Paul Reiser as his boss, he's in tech. It doesn't say what company, but in real life, that I worked for Yahoo for many years. Okay. So he's working in Boston in tech, and he's raising his daughter. And Anthony Kerrigan, who's so good on Barry, is his work buddy. And uh, Lil Rel Howery mm -hmm. is his best friend. And so there's a lot of back and forth there, but they all grew to love this girl, Maddie. Melody Hurd plays her as a young child, and she is just an adorable screen kid that you just uh, get attached to. So it's very touching. It's warm. Uh, it's it's uh, not going to change the world because it's simple. There's nothing new. But I think every parent can it can relate especially uh, when he's just beside himself at the end of his rope with this screaming infant. <laughs> I mean, who hasn't been there? Uh -huh. So yeah, Kevin Hart, you know, the upside showed a dramatic uh, part of him. And so this is just a continuation of this, but apparently Matt Lodgelin, he did get remarried to a woman named Liz, just mm. like his, former wife and they show that romance and uh dewanda wise plays her and she's very good so it's it's um it's an enjoyable hour and 49 minutes and you know good well i actually might check it out now that you guys have said it's good all right lynn probably the best movie you saw this week let's effing go lfg yeah. on hbo max yeah oh man is this a hard hitting one 
This is about the U.S. National Women's Soccer Team who filed a gender discrimination class action lawsuit against the U.S. Soccer Federation a couple months before they won another World Cup. And it is interviews with the players. Now, all 28 signed on to this lawsuit, but they only interview a handful. And I must note that the U.S. Soccer Federation did not participate in any on-air interviews. So they, so this movie is one-sided. Yes, it's directed by Andrea Nix Fine and Sean Fine, her husband. She did the writing and he also did the, the cinematography. And they won an Oscar for documentary short a couple of years ago called Innocent. And so they've got credit. They have an energy here. But the women have such energy. They're tremendous athletes. If you have seen the U.S. National, yeah, my my cousin won a world. Uh, my cousin won a world are. cup but and a gold. This shows how much integrity they. Have. No, I'm saying you you were cutting out there, Lynn. I was saying that my cousin Lori Klupney from St. Louis uh, was a part of that in the early 2000s, and she has a gold medal and she has a world cup. So. Everyone knows about the U.S. women's soccer team. Yeah, well, Becky Sauerbrunn is from St. Louis, and she's interviewed on screen. So the right. big star is, of course, the big rock star, Megan Rapinoe, who was Rapino of the Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year, and she's right. front and center. And uh, these girls are these women. I shouldn't call them girls. Right. They hold nothing. It is candid, it is frank, it is in your face. But the best part of the movie is they are all saying, we're doing this for future generations. Yeah, it's and not it for them. All, yeah, they're show, it shows all the young girls that they are uh, inspiring. And there's a great montage at the end of all of these females, very fierce competitors working on their ball skills. It's just great to show how much we have come forward, but yet how far we have to go because there's plenty of facts and figures about the disparity between the men's team, which hasn't won anything. They haven't won anything and no one goes to see them. Which the women have to play more and win more to even make comparable to what the guys do. And the guys just make this money without hardly doing anything. So it goes through all that. It starts March 2019 and it goes through March 2020 but then it updates you on the legal issues uh from to March 2021 now they're in appeal because a judge struck down the equal pay which is unfortunate because these stats throughout the movie just show how appalling the difference is that that's on HBO Max so if you have HBO Max you can watch that right now uh, we have to wrap it up here, but I want to tell you one thing, Lynn. The Peabody Awards have been announced. They they don't announce them all at once. They uh, they announce them slowly and like piecemeal. But I want to say that uh, Small Axe won a Peabody. So once yeah. again, as I say, Mangrove, which is one of the movies of Small Axe, is much better than the trial of the Chicago seven. So watch that. If you, if you don't watch any of the five small acts films, that is the one I recommend the most. And Lynn, I want you to finally see it now that you don't have to watch all these award-winning movies. Right. And also three of our favorite documentaries, one time mm-hmm. collective and crib camp. Yes. And so those uh, are good. Ted Lasso one as well. Speaking so of soccer. Destroy you as well. Um, this weekend is the final weekend. I know you said about the Shakespeare Festival, but it's also the final weekend of Joe Hanrahan's one man show, Here Lies Henry, and the Tesseract Theater Company that performs at the Dot Zach. Uh, their show called Feast is a tour de force for a local actress, Donna Peroni. And uh, you should check those out because this is going to be a rainy, miserable weekend. So go inside and, and support live theater. But also, Carl, real quick about uh, LFG, 
it is co-produced by CNN. So I imagine it's going to land there because if you think, oh, I don't want to pay for HBO to watch this movie, it's probably going to wind up on CNN. So just like the Linda Ronstadt movie did and just like uh, everything else that CNN has produced. Yeah. Yeah. Carter movie, the John Lewis movie. Yeah. Uh, I did good on paper on Netflix and it's a bad romance comedy. And I enjoyed Eliza Schlesinger very much. Oh, I forgot to. I, yeah, well, let's talk about that next week because I want to see that movie. I I voted for yeah. her for Last Comic Standing. She's the only woman to ever win Last Comic Standing, and I I really like her comedy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wow. watch that. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll, we'll talk about that next week because we have a whole lot of movies to talk about next week, including Summer of Soul, Black Widow. We'll, no, Black Widow's July 9th. Oh, we're seeing it next week and we have to wait two weeks. Wait. Yeah. you got to watch the embargo uh, number on. uh, We have um, um, the ice road, which is Liam Neeson. And then uh, there's a no sudden move, which will be Warner brothers and HBO. And that's the Steven Soderbergh nor Mm -hmm. with uh, Joe Del Toro and Don Cheadle and John Hamm. Hopefully that's great. Lynn, where can we find you on the socials? Uh, I am in all the socials. And then I am on Thursday night with Ray Hartman. And they moved my time to the top of the 10 o'clock hour right after the news. Yes. How about that? Because and because so, they want he wants more time with you. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to do that. And then because I always have four or five movies. And then uh, I'm in the Webster Kirkwood time. And uh we and then I have my own website, poplifestl.com. So, Carl, uh, what are you planning to do this weekend? I am going to be working all weekend, and uh, it's going to be wet and, wet and rainy. And I'm going to um, do things with my family because my daughter is going to be doing something for her Girl Scout Mariners troop, and so. Yay, Girl Scouts. Yay, Mariners. Yay, Ambassadors. So that and is- you are on those, aren't you? And Max on Movies. I, I will be uh, on the Max on Movies podcast, and I will be on KMOX and KFTK. And next week, I'm going to be on the Annie Fry Show all week because uh, they have a guest host out of Las Vegas. And so I will be on that. And so it's going to be a busy week. And next weekend's no. a holiday. <laughs> That's right. Wave the red, white, and blue. Tony, thank you for being our guest today. I I wish I had this when I was a kid. Foxpacf.org to sign up or just to find out more information. And there are actually informative videos on the website that you could actually, is that like a little sampler of that? Yeah, we have our audition sampler just sort of takes you through the process that we're going to really dig into on the 26th. <laughs> Well, we, we appreciate you being on with us and thank you very much for spending some time with us. And I hope we can have you on again because you we barely scratched the surface, even though we had fun for 45 minutes, but your career is much more than everything we even just touched on. I'd, I'd be delighted. I'd be delighted to come back and talk stories. I got a lot of them, a million of them. (laughs) And we sometimes, maybe one time, we just won't mention any names and you can just tell the story leaving the names out to protect the innocent and the guilty. Absolutely. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Carl. And it was great to talk to Tony. Oh, he's he's very good. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.